Good. Hey, I want to welcome you today. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Paul, and I'm the lead pastor at Genesis. And so if you're new with us today, uh, thanks for coming. We'd love the chance to, to get to know you today. And we're going to be wrapping up a series today in Psalm 23. And so if you have a Bible with you and want to turn there, if you use a, maybe a Bible app on your phone or something, uh, Psalm 23, if you picked up a Bible on the way in the room, uh, you can turn to page 382, and uh, uh, we'll get started with Psalm 23 here in just a second. But before we do that, I, I want to just just uh, kind of talk to you about a couple of things, just kind of housekeeping, kind of family stuff here as a church that I think are important for you to know about. The first thing is this. Um, I'm sorry we had to cancel last week. Uh, that was really frustrating for us. And if you showed up here on Sunday morning and missed the news, we do apologize uh, for that. We had to cancel two of the last three weekends, actually. Uh, three weeks ago for snow and wind, and then last week with all the cold, and then we had a pipe burst uh, last Saturday evening, and thankfully we were here. Uh, we're not usually here on Saturday nights, and so thankfully the, the damage was minimal. There was a lot of water in here on this floor, but we caught it in time, and Got the water shut off, but it prevented us from being able to have services uh, last week. But again, it could have been a real mess if, if we wouldn't have found it until Sunday morning. But uh, can I, I just want to talk a little, just kind of plainly, honestly, uh, honestly with you about uh, facility for just a moment, because I, I think it's good for you to know this. We recognize that there are some growing challenges that come uh, with occupying this space, some that we can control and some that we can't control. Like this is the third time we've had a pipe burst here in the last 10 years, right? And uh, to some degree, we can or cannot control that. And so, uh, but that's getting a little old. We don't want that to happen any longer. And so we're, we're doing our best to work in, uh, with the group to take care of that. We also know that it's cold in here in the winter, and especially you've experienced it before out in the cafe. This building's tough to heat at times. Um, I know that the toilets don't flush well, um, especially in the ladies' room. And I, know that, I don't know that from experience, uh, but I've heard that. And so, again, we know that there are some challenges like these. Again, we're paying attention to these things. We also know that parking isn't the best at times, and sometimes you've got to park across the street, and it's not safest to cross Pleasant. And, you know, there are some good challenges in all this because our church is growing right now. Uh, it is. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this or not. We do. And so we, we've got a lot more people coming, which we think is great. That's why we're here. And, uh, and we want to be able to continue to, to grow together uh, as a church. Uh, and so again, there are some of these things we can control and can't control, but you know, some of the great challenges that come with the growing church are, well, parking you know, becomes an issue, things like that, space in the auditorium. So here's what I'm getting at. Uh, oh, and I, I should add, and if you've been paying attention to the news around Noblesville, you know there's talk of widening Pleasant Street. And if they widen Pleasant Street, well, we're expecting that it's going to impact the very valuable parking that we already have. And so here's what it comes down to. We lease this building, and that may or may not be a surprise to you. We have one and a half years left on our lease, and we are really grateful for this location. I mean, we, we really believe this is where God put us 11 years ago. And there's some options in our lease that give us some flexibility to continue here if that's what the Lord has. But here's what it all boils down to. We're not leaving, right? Okay, but I just want to say... We're, gonna, we're praying about this. Like we, we feel like there are a number of things that are going on around us that we feel like the Lord has called our leaders, and I'm going to invite all of you to just pray with us about where we go from here. And that may be just staying right here, but maybe the Lord has something else in mind. And again, we feel like this is a good time for us to really be paying, uh, paying attention to this thing. And so we want to invite you to pray with us in that. I'll also add, you're going to see some fresh paint starting to go up around the building. There are some things that we want to do to, to tidy some spaces up. We know that if we're here longer term, we're probably going to have to make a greater investment in the building in the years to come. But we'll 
talk about that when we get to that place and as we're confident about what the Lord is doing next. But I'll keep you posted in all that. But the second thing that I want to mention is just this. Because we had to cancel services two of the last three Sundays, the reality is this. It does have a financial impact on our church. I mean, uh, everything you get, like your generosity helps make you know, ministry happen here. I mean, it provides for everything. And you have been incredibly generous all throughout the years. And we're in a great place. I don't want to give you the impression that we're not in a good place. But I'm just telling you that it impacts things. And so many of you give regularly and consistently online, and we thank you for that. We know that some of you choose, and you have every right to do so, to give here on Sunday mornings. And we're thankful for that. But here's what I want to say to you. First of all, if you would have given any of the two Sundays that we didn't meet and weren't able to because we weren't meeting here, I would just ask you, would you prayerfully consider maybe giving that gift in the next month if you feel led to do so? Because again, it's important. It matters. It can make all of the difference. And I'll also add this too. If you don't give online, I'd encourage you to check it out and think about it. It's a great way to give. It's a secure way to give. If you've ever had questions about it, how it works, don't understand it, don't want to try and understand it, you know, or is it secure or not? We've got people on our team that we'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you about how it works and the security of it. And so just let us know if that would be helpful. All that said, I love you. I love being a part of this team and this church. You're doing a great work. I believe that God wants to do so much more here as well. We're listening. We're trusting whatever he has ahead. So thanks for being a part of the ride with us. Thanks for putting up with a pipe break from time to time. And uh, thanks for your prayers and generosity. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all of the ways that you provide for us. And uh, we thank you for how you helped us with just some different things these past couple of weeks, Lord, and how you provided some great resources and teams to help us get cleaned up here and to be able to meet here even again. We're trusting you, Lord. We're trusting you for provision. We're trusting you for guidance in the years to come. And uh, if you're going to keep us here or move us somewhere else, Lord, show us. Uh, give us years to listen. Uh, wisdom and faith to, to make that move if needed or just the confidence to stay right where you've put us. Uh, we're trusting you in that. We're trusting you with future campuses and however you want to expand your kingdom through Genesis Church. You're worth it. And uh, we see it as a great opportunity to keep our eyes on you. And Father, we ask you to help us today. And uh, it's been a great series here in Psalm 23. And uh, we believe you've got so much more for us. And so would you continue your work today uh, in each of us as we turn to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are, if uh, you're new with us, finishing up a series uh, we've called The Valley here. We've been in Psalm 23 uh, some of the last weeks together. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed our time. And I've enjoyed studying this. I hope you have as well and that it's been helpful and encouraging uh, to you. I want to pick it up right at the top of Psalm 23 and maybe just as a bit of review, uh, walk through these verses together. Uh, David wrote these words. Again, we find him in the Old Testament in Psalm 23. Uh, let me read for you and then just kind of comment as we go along. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now we know and believe that David is writing from experience. He's looking back at least on a portion of his life. So he's learned some things. He's gone through some seasons. He's gone through some valleys of life. And a guy who started out as a young shepherd boy and would become one of the greatest kings in Israel is able to say, hey, I've gone looking for purpose and identity and all sorts of things. From riches to position to relationships on this earth, here's what I know and I 
I've discovered that the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to lead and guide me. There is no one that I would rather put my faith in than him, and in him I lack nothing, and he provides for me. Really, the rest of the psalm is all about his provision. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He knows what I need, and at just the right time, and he provides for me in these things, and he refreshes me. David says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, meaning that in anything of life, the ups and downs of life, he has what's best, all right? He has and and desires what's best for each of us. And so our goal in life, our aim in life is to follow him. It's just to really discover what does it mean to follow the shepherd each and every day. David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and this is where the name of this series comes out of because we all know that we're going to go through some valleys in life. Uh, maybe you find yourself in a valley right now. No one loves going through the valley because it's a, it's a place of fear. It can be a place of anxiety. It can be a place of frustration and hardship and doubts and uncertainty. And David's been there. And David, he knows that the, the valley isn't the end of the road for him. Like it's not the end of the trail, but that sometimes the good shepherd, sometimes he leads us into the valley. He leads us into some of those difficult places. It doesn't mean he causes all those things, but he leads us into these darker places because that's, well, maybe that's where the grass is and that's where the water is. Or as we talked about, sometimes the valley is a necessary passageway to what's on the other side, that he's got a destination in mind for each of us. It's just a reminder that the valley can have a purpose too. Even in our most difficult times of life, there can be a purpose. David was able to say, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Again, his confidence goes back to the shepherd. Even though fear's present, even though I have to go through difficult times, I'm not going to put my focus on the fear or the circumstances, but my focus is going to be on the shepherd who is there with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, meaning he'll fight for me if necessary. He's a God that's willing to fight for me. And then verse 5, last week, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. If you attended our Carmel campus last week or were able to watch on Facebook Live, you heard Jerry describe this picture of a table uh, with the oil and an overflowing cup. And, and, and many of these customs and traditions come out of what is known as the Bedouin culture. All right, the Bedouin culture. And Bedouins are nomads who live mainly in the wilderness areas of the Middle East. And they form lived in tents. And we got a picture here of one of those tents. They formerly lived in these, moving from place to place with their flocks, but they live in more permanent locations today, mostly what we would call shanties, kind of scattered around Israel. Now, the Bedouin people have been there, get this, for thousands of years. All right, and so their history goes back thousands of years. Old Testament people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their families were Bedouin people. All right? And so David would have been very familiar with their customs and their culture as a shepherd. Now, here's the thing, because tourism and commercialization are a huge part of any visit to Israel today, believe it or not, if you go to Israel, you can pay to have a Bedouin experience. And uh, when I was there a couple of years ago, we did just that. It was about the fourth or fifth day of our trip that our bus pulled up to an oasis in the wilderness. And there was a small community there, a really large parking lot with lots of other tour buses like ours. And so we spent several hours there. And the first part of our experience was a camel ride, right? Because if you go to the Mideast, 
you got to take a camel ride. Everyone's got to take a camel ride at some point in their life. And fellas, I just got to tell you, there is no saddle, all right, that makes this a comfortable uh, experience whatsoever, but still, still fun. And uh, here's a picture of me on my camel and this furry guy off of my right shoulder. He was a little too close to comfort at times because we were kind of attached in a camel train. They told us, don't pet the face of the camel. Don't touch their face. It's very sensitive and they will bite you, right? And so I had this camel behind me and I'm not kidding you. His neck was long enough. He would lean forward and he kept putting his face right on my, my bare leg. I was wearing shorts and he rubbed his face up and down my leg. And the whole time I was like, I'm not touching him. I'm not touching him. Please, please don't bite me. Please don't bite me. Although I got to thinking like a camel scar would be really cool, right? You know, like I can imagine my grandkids one day, like, Grandpa, where'd you get that scar? A camel bit me, you know? I mean, that'd be kind of a cool story uh, to tell. But uh, anyway, our, our camel ride finished, and then we got out from the heat, and we went into one of the tents that was set up there where this individual, this man, this Bedouin man, had been preparing a meal for us. And he was waiting for us there, and there was fresh coffee and fresh tea. There was fresh bread, kind of a pita bread that he had made over an open fire. Uh, and when we ran out, they, they brought more. And, and here's the thing. The Bedouin people are known for this. They're, they're known for their hospitality. Uh, there's a way of communicating that, hey, my home is yours. Come in and, and relax. Make yourself at home. And certainly the shade and, and the rest that comes from getting out of the hot sun and, and into the shade, the, the food and the drink, the abundance of the food and drink was intended to communicate, hey, you stay as long as you'd like, and if you, if you run out, we'll bring more. And then, and Jerry talked a little bit about this last week, there was the element of protection. Because if you were invited into the tent of a Bedouin, what they were saying is, hey, you're welcome to come in and make yourself home. But even more than that, I am and my family is, we're offering our protection of you, meaning I'll defend you at all costs, even if it means giving my life. And you can see examples of this Bedouin influence all throughout the Old Testament, including right here in verse 5 where David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is way, David's way of saying, this is what God's like. This is what the shepherd is like. This is what I've experienced. He's one that loves me. He protects me. He provides for us. And he wants to be in our presence. He enjoys the time with you and me, meaning he wants to be a part of your life. And that just means this. That just means that this life that we sometimes refer to as the Christian life, it's so much more than walking into a building on a Sunday morning. Uh, this Christian life is so much more than trying to do more good than bad in your life. But the Christian life, really, when, it, when you boil it down to the most important thing, it's all about an abiding relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what's most important, and, it, and it's God's desire. It's His desire, the shepherd's desire to be involved in every aspect, everything that we do in this life. And that's important because all throughout this series, we've been talking about how life doesn't always go as planned. And when, when, when we go through difficult times, when we go through these tough seasons, when we find ourselves stuck in a run, or worse yet, trapped in a dark valley, I mean, think about how often, I mean, it, it kind of sort of feels like you're being hunted down by things, like things like loneliness. You know, we encounter loneliness in the valley. There's fear there. There's worry. There's doubt. There's anxiety and depression that, that threatens to overcome us. And David is just saying, hey, I know the pain. And again, he's lived a crazy sort of a life. And so these words in Psalm 23, like you really have to hear them as personal testimony. And David, what he just realizes is that God, he wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And if necessary, 
He will fight for us. He will fight for you in your life, no matter what it is that you're going through. And that brings us to verse 6. And verse 6 is the exclamation point of the series and how we bring it to an end today when David writes this. Verse 6, he says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, it's not uncommon for a shepherd to lead his flock of sheep or goats in grazing an area of about five square miles each day. And so what would happen is at the end of the day, the shepherd would make his way with the sheep, with the flock, most likely back to a sheepfold, a pen of sorts. And so they would make this journey again, no matter how far away they were. And what the shepherd knew was this, they were, they were vulnerable. And predators, nature does its work. Predators realize if there, if there was any time that a sheep was most vulnerable, it was at the end of the day when they were tired and weak and not really paying attention. And so a shepherd, he had to keep these things in mind. And in fact, if, if he had the resources, if there was another shepherd on hand or an assistant or something, it wasn't uncommon for that assistant to, to go back to the, to the back of the flock and actually follow from behind to make sure that nothing would sneak in from behind and take the life of one of the sheep. So again, think back. Keep this in mind. Think back to what David says here in verse 6. Notice he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me. It will follow me. And I just think that's interesting. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But notice first this. Notice how he begins with the word surely. Not, not maybe, not possibly, not perhaps. But again, he's speaking from experience. He says, no, surely, most definitely. It's David's way of saying, you know what, I've been through enough in life. I've, I've gone through enough things. And one of the things that I've learned is this, that you can always count on God. I've always been able to count on God. He is always there. He's always been there for me. Next up is the word goodness. And in Hebrew, it's the same word that's used in the creation account of Genesis 1 and 2, where the Lord kept pronouncing, it was good, it was good. And even in, 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 uh, on the sixth day, when he pronounced it to be very good, it's the same word here, this word goodness, the goodness of God. And the big idea behind goodness is this, it's just this reminder that no matter the hardships we face, uh, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter these valleys, no matter the, the disappointment, whatever it may be, the goodness of God. David says this, the goodness of God will ultimately win out. The goodness of God is ultimately going to win out in your life if you let it, meaning that, meaning this, that God's going to have the final word. Like he's got the final word in, in your life. And that's why David was able to say, I will fear no evil. Again, it wasn't that, that, that fear wasn't present. You know, fear was all around. I mean, fear was right there. The circumstances, the possibilities were right there before them. But it's David's way of saying, you know, I'm not going to focus on that. But instead, I'm going to put my focus on the good shepherd. And so therefore, I will fear no evil because our God is good all the time. And he's going to have the final say in my life. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is right now, and even if you feel like God has abandoned you or he is absent from you, he's not listening or not paying attention, I just want to promise you today, and, and I've experienced this, I've felt this before too, that, that he hasn't given up. And he hasn't walked out on you and he's not far and he... He's working. I mean, his word says that he's always working. He's always available. His love will prevail. You could say that his, his goodness is always on our heels. It's right there. It's following after us. And that brings us to this next word, which is a doozy, really, because many scholars refer to this word as one of the most richest words uh, in the Hebrew language. Uh, it looks like the word cheese spelled wrong, uh, but it's actually, and I don't know Hebrew, so I'm just going off some of the cheat, cheat sheets that I have, but it's the word chesed. 
All right, so you got, you got to get a little phlegm. You got to get the back of your throat involved here, but it's chesed is how you pronounce this, but it's a word that means mercy. Uh, it's a word that means love. It means unfailing. Uh, love is, is faithfulness. Uh, the most common translation is probably steadfast love, and it carries with this, this sense of loyalty, this loyalty of God, his faithfulness. It conveys this idea of his loyalty to his people. And, and so in other words, God's chesed his mercy, his loving kindness, his steadfast love. Well, really, when you think about it, it's not, it's not about so much of, of what we receive, as important and true as that is, but it's more about learning what he's like. It's trying to understand what he's like and what he is like and what his love is like. And so you, you could understand verse 6 like this. I mean, it's David's way of saying, you know, surely, basically without a doubt, with that the, the God's goodness, his deep, abiding, faithful, merciful, loyal, and steadfast love will what? David says, it will follow me all the days of my life. But here's the thing. This Hebrew word that we translate as follow can also get this. This is so cool. It can mean to pursue or to chase us. That this goodness and steadfast love of God, it pursues us and it chases us. It's right on our heels. I don't know if you saw this story in the news from this past week, but there was a runner doing some trail running out in, in Colorado, I think the Fort Collins area of Colorado, and he got, he get this, he got attacked by a mountain lion while he was running, right? Like, that's crazy, right? That, I run, that's crazy stuff to think about something like that happening. He was out running, got, he got attacked by a mountain lion. The mountain lion got a hold of him. This runner had no choice but to fight for his life, and so he was able to pin the mountain lion to the ground, and he strangled the mountain lion and killed it. Like, that's pretty cool. That's a cool story, right, to, to be able to tell somebody one day. Some of you are like, that's exactly why I I don't run, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, or, you know, I, I don't run unless a wild animal would be chasing me, right? Or, or a mountain lion. But here's the thing, you know, the idea of someone following you or pursuing you, that, that's not a good thought, right? I mean, that, that's typically carries some negative sort of implications. And think about how so many of the negative things of life have this tendency to follow us around too. Like, uh, think about how often regrets from past decisions we've made never seem to go away. Or maybe it's the hurt that someone caused you or sometimes the hurt that we've caused others. Those things follow us around. Uh, we have a hard time shaking them. It's the fear of the unknown. It's, it's doubts or just the anxiety, the what if, the questions that we ask. And when we focus on these negative things, like when these demand all of our attention, when they consume our thoughts, you can see how easy it is to lose sight of His goodness, God's goodness and his love at work around us. But what David is saying, I'm not, he just said, I'm not going to focus on these things. Like, that's not going to consume my attention. Like, I'm not going to focus on the negatives. He said, I'm not going to be followed by evil. I'm not going to be followed by bad luck and regrets and, and the past. Like, these things aren't going to define my life. And, and David had a story. Like, he had a past that included all of these and a lot of mess-ups. But he says, you know what, instead, I'm being pursued. Here's what I've learned in life. I'm being chased by God's goodness and His deep abiding love, and it's because of that love for me that I don't have to be afraid, and because he, I, I'm not giving up on Him because guess what? He's not giving up on me. He's pursuing me. And the bottom line for you and me is that whether we realize it or not, whether we want it or not, we are being chased. You are being pursued by the love of God in your life, and the one that is chasing us, He doesn't want us to be afraid. We don't have to fear Him because he enjoys us and he, 
He enjoys you, and He wants us to enjoy Him. And so maybe with that in mind, I, well, let me just say, I don't know about you, but that's a humbling thought. Like that the God of the universe, like He pursues us and He chases after us with His love. Take a moment and ask yourself, do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that to be true in your life today? Like, or if you're like me, you can probably, you can read something, you can think about something like that and think, you know what, I, I could see that for other people, but I find that hard to believe for me, you know, because of what I've done or the things that go on in my mind. But here's the good news that David wants us to remember, that even when I'm disinterested, even when I've wandered away, even when I've stormed off or given up on God altogether, even when I have no clue what I think about him or any of this for that matter, the truth is he still pursues you. He's chasing after you. And I realize, too, that maybe that raises all sorts of questions, especially as you think about his goodness and love and then try and figure that out in the mess of life and the circumstances of life. Again, where does that goodness and love fit in when so many things don't seem to be going well? Like, where, where does that fit in when the, di the diagnosis isn't good? Like, how does that goodness and love fit in when I, when I lose my job or my career blows up? Or where does the goodness of God fit in when, if, you know, when I ask, what if I never get married? You know, or what, what if we never have kids? Or what if my circumstances never change? Like, like, what do you do with these things? Like, where do you find the goodness and love of God in all of that? Those are great questions. Uh, those are questions that people have been wrestling with for thousands of years. Life is hard. David doesn't deny it. Life doesn't always make sense. And so again, how can this guy say goodness and love, God's goodness and love, chase after us, even with difficult circumstances in mind? I think this, I think one of the reasons we ask questions like this is because we know that when we get scared or worried, we tend to panic, we tend to maybe even run away from God altogether. But maybe that's David's point here, that what he's learned is that even when we ask our questions, even when we find ourselves in situations like this and we tend to wander, God doesn't. That he's willing to pursue us even through our questions. He's willing to pursue us even in our hurt and in our disappointment. And he chases us with this goodness and this steadfast love through it all. In fact, I think David would make the case here that his goodness and abiding love don't just chase us, but it carries us, holds us up, keeps us going, even when we find ourselves in situations we don't understand. And David speaks to what lengths God is willing to go in his pursuit and protection for us. Look again at verse 6 one more time. Again, he says, Surely your goodness and love, Lord, will follow me all the days of my life. Again, not just the good days, not just the memorable ones, not just my days here on earth. In fact, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, this is true for us in eternity too. But again, look what he says. They will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is David's way of just saying, hey, here, here's the one thing that's changed everything, the way that I see life. I'm reminded that my faith is in him, that he loves me. And what gives me hope is in knowing that I will live in God's presence with his leadership and guidance both here on this earth and in the eternity to come because he's with me and he cares for me and he guides me and he fights for me. And, and so if there's anything we can learn from David, I think in the entirety of Psalm 23, maybe it's just this value of practicing God's presence in every day, in every circumstance, in every moment of our lives all week long. I mean, think about it. Like when it comes down to it, 
I mean, that's what David gets at right away in verse 1. He reminds himself, first of all, who God is as the shepherd of all things. And then in the following verses, he's basically just bragging on God and how God provided for him with comfort and rest and safety when he wandered off course and protection and confidence. And how this God of ours, he invites us back to the table. And he says, I will protect you. I will provide for you. And I want to enjoy you. I want to spend time with you. And and he wants to get to know us in deeper ways. He wants us to know him in greater ways. And, and finally, I think that's why David could say, I, I think you could say it, you could sum it up like this, that David could say, you know what, with great confidence, surely, again, without a shadow of doubt, your goodness and deep and abiding, faithful, steadfast love, Lord, will chase after me every day of my life. And because of that, I will be confident that I will live in the security of both your presence today And I can have confidence in the presence to come, the security that I have in what's to come tomorrow and forever. That's what's true of David. And that's what can be true of your life and mine as well. This good shepherd who loves us and leads us and provides for us and wants to do that every day of our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for what we've learned together in Psalm 23 and these words and the experience of one man and his life and how he encountered you in so many different ways and your guidance and blessing and provision. And I I pray that I pray that it's just so much more than, you know, words or or learning something new about context. I, I pray that it would change our lives. I pray that it would change someone's afternoon, Lord, and the week ahead. I pray that it would change the way we see our relationship with you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for for your provision. We thank you that you just haven't let us loose here in this world, but that you desire to do life with us. And I pray that we would know that without a shadow of a doubt today, that you desire me, that you desire each of us. You want to do life with us, Lord, and we thank you. Show us what that looks like. Continue to work these things out in our mind and in our hearts and our conversations and our connection groups with one another. Give us greater faith in you as individuals and as a church. We trust you, Lord. We're putting all of our faith in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to wrap up this series today uh, celebrating with a time of communion together as a church family. And uh, here's the thing for us. You know, Jesus has invited every single one of us to the table. And uh, he's invited us. He's invited you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in him, that's true for you. But I also want to say this. If you've never put your trust in Jesus before, he's inviting you. Like there's an invitation to you to come and to be at his table. And and there's a, I think there's a reminder in that that he's been pursuing you, maybe brought you here today for this moment to know his love, to experience it in a new way. And I wonder if he had a, if he had a message for us that might sound something like, you can trust me. I, maybe he'd say to you today, I, I will forgive you. I can forgive you of your sins, and I can give you life and hope and a future. But I want you to know this. It's up to you to decide whether you want to come to that table or not. He's not going to force that love on you. It's just it's available for you to take. And maybe that's a move. Maybe that's a decision that you're ready to make in your life today. I want you to know that you can do that where you're seated right now. You, you can do that in your own heart, in your own mind, with your own words of just saying, Lord Jesus, I, I want you in my life. I, I want to understand every bit of who you are. And 
I want to begin a new life with you today. And we'd love to talk with you about that. Like we, we, we'll wait afterwards. We'll spend some time with you. We'd love to share with you. Maybe there's somebody that invited you, uh, somebody that you're friends with. Maybe they've been sharing their faith with you. You've had lots of conversations about faith and purpose and things like that. It'd be, this would be a great conversation to have with them, whether that be today or in an upcoming coffee or something. But uh, seek the answers to the questions that you may have and uh, let us help you in that. But uh, for the rest of us, uh, we, we want to celebrate what Christ has done and accomplished for us on the cross. John 10, verse 11, Jesus said this. These are his words. He says, I am the good shepherd. And a light bulb go on for all of us. And the good shepherd, get this, lays down his life for his sheep. You know, David didn't know this. Jesus hadn't come on the scene when, Je- when David wrote these words, but we know it. We have the confidence. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd for each of us, and he's both the shepherd we need but he's also the Lamb of God who laid down his life. Get this, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, for you and me. And he gave his life to take away the sins of the world. I'm going to invite our host team to come down the aisle right now, and they're going to pass a tray down your aisle in just a moment. And uh, if you'd like to participate with us today, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, whether it be here or at another church, you're invited to be a part of this time with us. You can take the cup in just a moment. Uh, There's actually two cups, and so the cracker's in the bottom, the juice is in the top cup, and just hold those in your hands. And I'll just say this, if you've never put your faith or trust in Christ, Please don't feel pressured or awkward by this moment. Just pass that tray on by and maybe use this time to think about where you are in your life right now. What's all this mean to you? What's God doing in your life? Why does he have you here today? But we know this. We know that from the New Testament that it was Jesus that, well, he showed us what this was all about. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And as we take it, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He says, as you take the wine, as you take the juice, it's a, it's a symbol of my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so as you take it, remember me. That's how we want to end today. We want to remember Jesus, our good shepherd, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And not only that, as important as that is, but he says, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be your life every part of who you are, every aspect. I want to lead and guide and provide for you in ways that you've never seen before. And so as we take these elements today, let's remember that, the forgiveness that we have, the redemption that we have in Christ, but also an invitation of a, for, to a different way of living, maybe a recommitment for you today that I'm following behind the shepherd. He is both leading me but his goodness and mercy also follow behind me at the very same time. So the band's going to play, and they're going to sing a song over us. We're going to give you some time on your own. You take communion when you're ready, the bread and then the juice. Thank the Lord. Remember what he's done for you, what he wants to do in your life, and then we'll sing together.